that God's chosen people and God used them. But this is talking about us. This is New Testament. He says, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. This is us. This is us when we come out of the world and we come to know him. And I'm going to go right here to 1 John, because here is a, another verse I want to share, where this is where the conflict is. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now, I don't know about you, but that text sometimes worries me. I can't love the world. I, I love so much about the world. I mean, I, I do love a lot of things about life. But, you know, w- that's all right. What God's talking about, what Scripture's talking about here is love the world, the things that are of the world, okay, not of God. So can I love nature? Absolutely. The, cre- the things that God created, that's what I love because I, I see God in nature. I see God in in my life, I see God in my body. I, I see God in the way that people interact with me. I, I, I just see God there. And God's called each of us to be his witnesses, to be his holy priesthood. So are you a priest? Well, if you're a follower of Christ, you are. Or a pastor, or a minister, we all have a ministry to do. And this is what this is saying. This is what Scripture is saying. The New Testament church is about everyone pitching in and working together to be the body of Christ. And so whether you're doing the wonderful job like our friend Tom here does, every week faithfully cleaning the church, he's serving. And, um, you know, whatever you do, do all... To the glory of God. Let's embrace the things that are good in this world. Because the world wants to trick you. And see if this you can relate to this verse. 1 John 2.16 For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. A pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but are from the world. Now think about that verse for a moment. Do you, do you struggle? I mean, that, that, that hits me where it hurts. You know, I, I find myself craving for the things the world offers. And it seems like the more I get, the more I want. It's not satisfying. And God says, hey, those things are not from me. I will fill you. The, the things of this world will not fill you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. Now as I read on here in Philippians chapter 3, and there's a few things I want to point out as I go through a few verses here. Philippians 3 verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So what's the most valuable thing? To know Jesus Christ. Do you know him? For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Some translations say rubbish. 
So really, everything else is really rubbish. The most important thing is having Jesus Christ, having God in your life and knowing him. You know, he's the giver of all things. I could lose everything. My house could burn down. My, my car could get stolen. I could lose everything except my clothes and my back. But as long as I still have contact with the giver, it's going to be okay. But if we don't know the giver, he's the giver of all good, then that's a worry. How did I? Here in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know, this controversy that's happening, it's supernatural. We don't stand a chance. But all we need to do is choose, use our minds and choose whose side we're going to be on. We continue reading in Philippians, verse 9. And become one with him and no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It's a simple ingredient, faith. Do you have faith? How, how much faith do you have? Well, even if it's a little bit of faith, that's all it takes, and God will help it to grow. But we've, we've got to do something. We've got to nurture that faith. And that's what the church is all about. That's what knowing God's all about. It's about us nurturing that faith. And how do we nurture it? Well, I'm going to go over that in some steps as I finish today, but it's really about us having a relationship with him, to praying, to studying his word, to serving him, to helping others. These are the things. That's exercising your faith. It's put into action. As Lockie brought out last week, you know, the sweet aroma of knowing God. If we know God, then we'll be heard. In verse 10, I want to know Christ, experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Ooh. Now, this, this is where this one really I've struggled with a lot because you look at this, and somehow I think I've got to suffer like Jesus suffered. Isn't that what that sounds like? If you actually, though, look into this verse and you go back to the Greek, you find that the word used is, 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 is about exchange like a coin exchange and so if I give a coin then I get something in return and what God says hey you give me your sinful life I'm giving you a perfect life I'm exchanging something with you it's not saying that we are going to have to suffer like Jesus suffered he suffered so we don't have to suffer does that mean life's going to be easy well of course not we're going to have struggles but he's going to be with us He's going to guide us. He's going to help us and ultimately give us the free gift of salvation. Isn't that beautiful? Love like he loved. Live like he lived and become like he is. This, this is what we want to know is we know God. So what are the roadblocks? What are your roadblocks? What's stopping you? Is it family? Too busy? 
keeping the house and the kids and looking after that? Is it because you're looking for that special someone? You know, you're wanting to get married and that roadblock is you can't seem to find that right person. You have these dreams and you don't seem to be able to fulfill them. You want to buy that house you can never save up for. You know, what is it? What are the roadblocks that are stopping you? I think back to a roadblock that was quite unexpected for Karen and I. Was We were married for four or five years and thought, wow, we'd love to have children. Karen suffered from quite severe endometriosis, had had lots of surgeries, had had a tube removed. Chances of her having a child became less and less. I am thankful to say that God's blessed us with four children, but every one of them is a miracle, and I'm thankful for him. But, you know, God has roadblocks, and sometimes I could go into a great story about how it really came to a point where we just gave it to God, and that's when he actually blessed Karen with our first child, Samuel. What are the roadblocks? You know, I think of roadblocks. A story that comes to mind is one when I was a kid. I was probably 12 or 13. This was back in the mid-'70s. Now, in North America, one thing they have an amazing um, network of is a road system. And I think um, it started back in about 19, late 1950-something. Dwight Eisenhower passed a, a law or a, a funding for a road system across North America. And uh, all the 48, and I think this also in, extends into the Alaska and Hawaii as well, the other two states that aren't connected. But... It's, a, it's an amazing interstate system where it's got limited access. And those that have been to America, it's pretty amazing. The way you can just travel across for long distances. And uh, one of the long highways that goes through um, my hometown in Birmingham, Alabama, is I-20. So all the even numbers go east to west. All the northern numbers go, um, are, odd num- are, are odd numbers, um, even numbers are East to west, north to south are, are odd. So it's, it's all very, very uh, organized. Anyway, I-20, as, as this was passed, as I was a child, you know, there was a lot of work um, being done on all these hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of roads that were being built. But I was with my dad in the mid-70s, and we were driving from Birmingham, Alabama to Atlanta. It's normally about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And we come to a roadblock. And the roadblock was we'd been on this nice interstate, but suddenly all the cars were backed up, and um, it looked like we were going to be there a while. Now, my dad's a bit of a cheeky guy, and um, he was in real estate. And back in the 70s, it was quite amazing for someone to have a phone in their car. And he had this big old box that was in the boot of the car and this big thing. I think it was done through radios. But here was this um, phone. And you had to be someone to have a phone in your car back in the 70s. And um, there was a few special cars going up the side. And um, my dad didn't want to wait. And so he just kind of dropped in behind this car coming up the side. And he gets to the guy. And there was actually a ribbon cutting for the grand opening of this new highway section that was being opened between Birmingham and Atlanta. And um, as he gets to the guy, kind of checking he just held the phone up to his ear and said, I'm with him, the guy in front. And he waved him right through. 
And so here we are on this brand new highway for miles and miles. We're the only car on there. <laughs> Probably not. But, you know, we overcame a roadblock, a huge roadblock. And wow, you know, I thought my dad was pretty clever. What are your roadblocks? How are you getting around them? How are you getting through them? You know, church is a place where we can feel safe. Church is a place where we can build our relationship with God and get to know him more. And I want to go over five steps that will help us in this and just quickly touch on them. Simple ways that we can have a growing relationship with Jesus. First is simply study the Bible. The Bible is the way God communicates with us. How do you study? Well, many of you are very good at it. Others might be a bit daunted. And I just want to encourage you. There's so much in here, so much possibility. There's heaps of stuff that can help you. You can see Lockie or myself or one of the leaders here, and we're happy to try to help you. Uh, probably an amazing app is called Version of the Bible. It's been put out by Life Church, and it's a free thing. And on there is literally hundreds of Bible studies and things that can help you on whatever you're going through. So whether you're wanting to do some studies on, on marriage or addictions or, or money, whatever it is. God's got some advice and some things to tell you. So study the Bible. It helps renew your mind, helps us to learn the, the, the character of God and that it can be reflected in us. The second thing is to pray. Now, some people are natural at praying. It's just easy. Others really struggle. And I must say, I, I get distracted easy. My wife might say I have a bit of ADHD, but um, I do get distracted. But find a way that you can pray. You don't have to always just roll over and, and, and kneel by your bed with your hands folded and pray for hours. Nothing wrong with that. You know, there's times I've certainly done that. But a lot of my prayer time is done while I'm driving the car. Or it's done just before I'm meeting with someone or something. I'm just saying, it's like a text message. Just a quick text message to you, God. You know, um, I'm going to need you, your help. I need you to help give me the right words as I visit this person. Give me the words of comfort, someone that's, that may be suffering from loss or whatever. You know, find, there, there is possibilities for all of us to have good communication and prayer, and it won't look the same for all of us. But the important thing is that you do it. And here in Psalms 142, and, and you find this right through the Psalms, or you know, it, it, it's full of songs, as Lockie mentioned last week. But really, these Psalms, these songs are David unloading, and you find many of them. David just kind of lets let, lets it all off his shoulders and gives it to God. And this verse here says, "Spill out all my complaints before Him, and spell out my troubles in detail." This is the place to complain. This is the place to let it all out. Do it to God. God can take it. He understands it. He knows it before you even say it. And maybe we'll be less likely to be taking it out on our family and friends and even our enemies. And third, Worship away from church. I put this first.
because this is important, worship away from church. This is, I believe, more important than church. Now, church is important, and it's great that you've come today, but if this is the only time you're worshiping, you're missing having that real connection and knowing God. You need to be worshiping away from church, privately, and however that might look. It might be in your car with loud music playing and singing at the top of your voice. It might be dancing in your lounge room, singing praises to God. Whatever that looks like, do it. Worship God in the way God's designed you. We're all unique. We're all different. We've got different ways of expressing ourselves. But the important thing is make worship part of your everyday life. Not something you just do when you're here at church. But church is important, so I have put that as number four. It's also good to worship at church. Church, ecclesia, is the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 describes that we all are different parts of that body. And it's only as we come together that the body's complete. So if you stay away from church, if you're not part of church, the, the body's going to be missing in part. If you're just visiting today or you're watching online, find a local church and get involved. God wants you to be involved at church. Church is a time we come to encourage each other and we get strengthened by coming together. And lastly, number five, might need some help in the back. There we go. It's to serve. Serving is so important. It's like if we're Christians and we're praying and we're reading the Bible, but we're not exercising, then we're going to be spiritually obese is what I call it. We need to be exercising. Okay? Does that make sense? you relate to that? So, how do we exercise? Well, you can do it here by serving on a team. And um, our growth track started today. Lockie's been taking a group through, and there's other opportunities to do that. That's really about us finding how you best can fit, where you can serve. Encourage everybody, whether you've been in church a long time or you're new to church, to go through the growth track. I think you'll find it to be something that you'll learn and grow from. I always, when I go through that stuff, learn more about myself and how I can serve God better. Get involved in church. And the thing that also is to serve our community, and this is an area I don't think we've been that good at, but we're working on it. Lockie and I are beginning some training in two weeks' time, and we're going to be trained, um, uh, accredited in a program that's being pushed by Gold Coast Council called MATE. And it's addressing the number one social issue in the Gold Coast. Anyone know what that might be? Domestic family violence. And it's a way for us to try to get something that we're helping to reach the needs in our community. And that being the number one need, we felt it's something that we want to invest in. But what is it? You know, what is it you can do? It might be something just with your neighbors or wherever you live. But be exercising your faith, serving. It's so important that we serve because we serve a God, a God that wants to remove the roadblocks. And just like when my 
dad got to that roadblock heading to Atlanta. I was so glad that, um, you know, he was able to get us to take a shortcut. We were able to get on the open free road. And that's what Jesus is. In a way, he's like our ticket. He's our answer to our roadblock. So I just want to challenge you to get involved. I also want to challenge you to make commitments. Don't be afraid of commitments. You probably already heard it was announced last week. We've had it in the bulletin. In five weeks' time, we're going to have a special commitment day. Please don't stay away because it's commitment day. Come renew your commitment if you made a commitment. But maybe you want to make a bigger commitment. Maybe you've never been baptized by immersion. It's an opportunity for you to do that. Or maybe you've been baptized in another church and you're seriously thinking about joining the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Come and see Lockie and I. That's going to be a day we're going to celebrate people making commitments to the church, bringing the body of Christ together, united. This is what knowing God is all about. This is how we can let our voices be heard, how we can be loud for Jesus, not loud in an obnoxious way, but a way that's sharing the good news of hope that we each have. Just want to close with a prayer. Just bow your heads with me. Lord, we just thank you that you know us inside out. And despite some of the ugliness, the things that we don't want anyone to know, you still love us. And you still want to keep working in our lives. But Lord, you won't force yourself on us. We need to allow you to come. And so right now, Lord, with every eye bowed and head eye closed and head bowed. I just pray that you'll come into our hearts. You'll touch us. That we'll sense your presence in our lives. And that we'll desire to know you more. And we can get more involved in reading your word and knowing you. We can pray more. We can worship you outside of church. We can worship you at church. And we can serve you in church, and in our communities. Lord, just bless us each one. Help us wherever we're at. May we sense your presence, and may we commit to you. In Jesus' name, amen.